You're listening to the PCAST presented by CDE Light Band. Each week we take you around the office to be the athletics department, occasionally the OVC. Thanks to our good friends at CDE. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked all-speed podcast hosted by your two favorite disease-free gentlemen. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. Excited to be doing this over not a Zoom for the first time in a while. Yeah. Hey, if you guys didn't like this podcast, we didn't have Austin P Sports to talk about either. Boy, oh boy. Like, you're going to like it today. Because we got all the Austin P Sports to talk about now. We sure do. But first, I want to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart oh. after quarantine. Ice cream for breakfast is recommended so? by our last PCAST guest, Riley Plinge. That was a... Uh, How was that? I mean... Loading up a three-year-old with a big batch of sugar to start his day is not necessarily a good idea at all, but I enjoyed it. Well, that's good. What kind of ice cream? Chocolate. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yes. Yes, it was. You know what else I enjoy? What's that? Watching Terry Taylor play basketball, which is a treat reserved only for people who've been paying attention the last four years because his last home game was last week. Moment of silence. Number one in scoring and rebounding in this league the last two years. The all-time leading scorer in program history. The only 2,000-point, 1,000 rebounder, rebound getter in program history. Start the Hall of Fame clock, and let's work on getting the jersey retired. It needs to it needs to hang in the Dunn rafters in perpetuity. Cause technically, he is, it's on the wall, not the rafters. Technically, I will beat you to death with a shoe. <laughs> I am waxing poetic on Terry Taylor here, and you will have some respect. What are we going to do with our? Uh, are we think we're going to get new banners at the Impact? Uh, I, hmm, that's I think a good we, question. We probably have to. I assume we will get something. I don't know if it'll be. I think it'd be weird for us to play like our home basketball games without like at least our basketball retired jerseys there. Well, are we going to do the ones that are on the wall here, the Dunn Center? Or I are think we you probably leave those in the Dunn, and you throw up some actual banners with them out yeah, there. I'm thinking like that, the old school style thing the Celtics have, where it's like a. All the ones are on one, one banner. banner. Yeah, kind of like the Lakers kind of have that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I like, I'm for that idea. But you know, we we will not be asked, nor should we be probably, asked. Probably not. Last week we got to see something we've never seen before. Well, I mean, we've seen it, but we've certainly not seen it on this scale. And that is Division One college football, the games that matter, being played in February. Football, football. This, eh, look, a bunch has happened. A lot. A lot. It's been a lot since the last time the Gus played uh, an OVC team. Uh, they were rusty. They were exciting. They were fired up. They brought it. I'm excited to see this every single week going forward. No, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I mean, there were there were things that we expected, things that we didn't expect. I mean, I think it was expected that D'Angelo Wilson was going to be a problem for it's, opposing it, defenses. It seems as though the defenses in the OVC have just – not been listening to the PCAST because we tell them every week. Well, listen, you go 16 months without. They must have forgot. They forgot. Listen, we tell we used to tell you guys every week, maybe, just maybe, try covering D'Angelo Wilson. Try is about the best they're going to do there because uh, D'Lo went smooth off. What was it 8 for 124 eight and a score? 8 for 124 and a little touchdown. A little, uh, little touch action. Don't ever sleep on number two either, Benico Harley, because Benico went. And just got himself a touchdown. Benico did the Benico things once just again. The quiet, the quietest, most effective number two receiver 
in on in the FCS. In FCS, I would I would one hundred percent back that. Yes, um, the the two the dual quarterbacks, uh, Draylen Ellis and Bryce Robinson. Shout out to Draylen, OVC newcomer of the week. OVC newcomer of the week. I think both acquitted themselves quite nicely. I mean, Draylen both did things well. Draylen kept so many plays alive with his feet and his scrambling ability is so when he he's electric when, when he takes off it's like oh, oh buddy he just put another running back on the field so it, when he takes off somebody's about to get embarrassed and it ain't him <laughs> no and bryce I, he led the last two drives bryce just picks him apart with quick little passes one drive was a score the other drive if it wasn't the very last living in seconds probably would have been another score he, he was headed that way so uh, and they both do very different things well yeah. And, you know, we could just see them both play all year. Yeah. I mean, I think the the limitations for both are they're freshmen. I mean, Draylen will have to get better at reading defenses. He made a couple of throws that were just, oh, boy, don't do not do that. Maybe maybe not that one. Yeah. But also he's a freshman his first game. Right, yeah. No. I mean, Bryce is not nearly the athlete that Draylen is. Ne- neither are a lot of people in this world. <laughs> yeah, very very few people. Maybe only a couple on that team. Yeah. I mean, so they, they give you different looks. They do different things. I really liked watching both of them for different reasons on Saturday. It helps me Sunday, cu- Sunday. I am a, going to mess that up all year. We had a couple good performances in the backfield, too. Amon Tanner back after not playing in the fall. And Brian Sneed, career high with the Govs. Yeah, both of them looked really good. Those two run hard. Sneed, I think we didn't see it in the fall because we were running into FBS buzzsaw defensive lines, but he just trucks people on the FCS level. I really love Ahmad Tanner catching the ball out of the backfield, too, and I'm excited to see that. I am excited to see that. I love seeing C.J. Evans in the slot. Get that get that man some space and watch him cook. I like seeing Jay Parker back against FCS schools where his speed really just it, it plays, buddy. Talent. The skill. The skill positions are loaded for the governors and that defense. Woo! Woo. Oh boy! Chris Kappas bringing the heat. Seven sacks, sixteen tackles for loss. If you're going to have a debut as a defensive coordinator, setting the school single game sack record is about how you do it. And it wasn't just like Josepha Smith, who not playing right now, but last fall he had a couple dominant outings, mm-hmm. just going out there and racking up four. No, it was seven different guys with one sack each. Cordell Jackson, I think. He had three and a half tackles for loss as a nickelback. Well, in some of the ones were not a, okay, he got in the backfield, they steered, and he made the tackle. There were two or three clear instances where he just read the play and just went, all right, I'm going to, like, he was. Yeah, yeah, he jumped the snap. He he was in the backfield before the play ever got started good and just blew it sky high. That was a lot of fun to watch. That was a ton of fun to watch. I mean, the. Scoreboard's a scoreboard. I wrote about it on Monday. But <laughs> when you more than double up your opponent in total yardage, you have that dominant defense. Like Jack McDonald just making a boatload of tackles every week. Yeah. I, I, I'm expecting it only to get better from there, and that was a pretty decent opening salvo. I agree. Softball opened up its season last week as well with a little sweepity sweep down at the Troy Invitational. Five governor starters hitting above 400 after the first week. If you're surprised, one of them is Lexi Ozowski. If you're uh, still surprised, another one's Bailey Shorter. Yeah, Ozowski, 533 after the first weekend, Shorter at 438. Yeah, that'll play. Uh, Jordan Benefil dealt. 9.1 innings, 
2 and 0 075 ERA 13 to 2 13 K strikeouts <laughs> and one earned run and these were not and she's a freshman this wasn't rat teams the guys were beating in Troy and they weren't one one run wins now granted West Carolina picked last in the SoCon whatever Mercer, Mercer. picked second and the Govs thumped them just throttled them 15 to 2 combined score over two games I believe run ruled them in one they got 12 hits in one of those and run ruled them boy they just brought the hitting sticks out yeah they bust out the whipping sticks on that one and it was a, a good time and a good opening salvo for Cassie Stanville 4-0 for them big whew. watch out OVC you got you got Osowski if the if this Benefil thing is Benefil and Kelsey Grossback had a good Carly Mullins won her one game. Let me tell you. Watch out. Hey, too much good pitching? It's an okay I'll, problem. I'll, I'll also tip my cap to whoever in the OVC decides to finally get Lexi Ozowski out. I if if you can do those who can do and those who can't are probably pitching to Lexi Ozowski. <laughs> Correct. We referenced a problem with uh D'Angelo Wilson re the defensive backfields of the Ohio Valley Conference. Another problem. Shy Booker. Boy. Woohoo. The 15 and 6, those are good numbers. It's the 81.5% shooting across three games last week that I really want to highlight because that's. Um, you look at all the box score. Shy's going like 8 for 9 or like 7 for 9 each time well, out. When I was doing Player of the Week stuff this week for the, the website, I was like, huh, Shy, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, five or six, that was a pretty good, okay, eight or nine. Nine or 12, all right. Well, then just get it then, Shy. Yeah, she had a career at 21 at Eastern Kentucky the other night, and I haven't updated these numbers yet, but, like, over her past 10 games, she's averaging, like, 12 points and seven rebounds, and, like, the Govs, who are three-point shooting team, probably the best way to describe them for most of the season, have turned into a paint team the past couple of weeks. Just throw it into Shy Booker. And if let you, her go to work. If you can do the old inside outside with Shy Booker and Maggie Knowles, it's the it's the, if we you remember back to the PCAS at the beginning of the season. What's the one thing you're worried about for this basketball team? I said they've got to find somebody in the paint, and they found, found. them. Yeah, no, she was right here. And uh, let me tell you, good luck stopping Shy Booker in the OVC tournament because I think. The yeah. only, she she did not get to play against Chelsea Perry because she did not play the last time we played UT Martin. I would have liked to see her match up against the best post player in the league. Didn't happen. But for the rest of you in this league, I'm not sure you want that smoke I don't right think now. anybody else wants that smoke right now. As we wrap up trying to shoehorn two weeks' worth of stuff into this week, college baseball, back, baby. Oh, it's back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, guys went down Dallas Baptist. Not the best weekend. But, you know, Dallas number 24 Baptist in the country. Number 24 they're, team for They're a pretty good. They're pretty good. But uh, upsetting to watch a whole lot of college baseball this weekend. Would I like to watch that State Farm Showcase down in Arlington. Um, watch the Vandy Vandy pitchers on Pitching Ninja on Twitter. and Kumar Rocker and Kumar Jack Rocker and Jack Leiter on the same day. Pray for Wright State baseball. That's that's unfair if you're doing Kumar That's a Rocker crime. And if, if you're doing Shot Chaser, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, that is not. Kumar on one day is tough enough to handle he's the number one pick in the draft and i'm not sure if anybody's close to him right now i mean jack Leiter's working his way up right but jack Leiter's a freshman oh yeah that's right i keep forgetting about that yeah this guy's a freshman jack Leiter's just touching triple digits with i mean an absolute hammer of a curveball we'd be remiss without uh pointing out the garrett spain still hitting machine oh yeah two homers he gets number 24 team in the country uh 
a, a team that's got pitchers just throwing BBs and I mean they're essentially a power five baseball team. They are. They are a power five baseball. It's the team. only sport they care about at Dallas Baptist. They're D two and everything else, but boy, they play that baseball. <laughs> they play the heck out of that baseball, and Spain was right there with them the entire way. We'll step aside here and wrap it up and bring back Chris Campbell. Austin Peace for performance guru. Right after this. Our guest this week is a busy man charged with leading the sport performance department that has undergone a revitalization under his tutelage. The Govs are bigger, faster, and stronger than they've ever been, and it's thanks to the work of Chris Campbell and his staff that they can make that claim. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. So, where are you from? Uh, originally from a small town in uh, northwest Iowa called Cherokee. Uh, it's a town of about 3,000 people, and uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty far away from everything. There's really not much. It's a, it's a farm town. How'd you wind up here? Uh, so in, I went to Iowa State. I started coaching my undergrad at Iowa State. My boss, I uh, got a call from a guy by the name of Rusty Witt uh, at University of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, I went down to Louisiana Lafayette for an internship, and that's where I met HUD, uh, Coach Mark Hudspeth. Uh, I was there for two years, went uh, to the University of Houston. And then uh, when HUD got the job here, he called me up for an interview. And then uh, I've been here since 2019. What got you involved with sport performance in the first place? So I've always been, uh, I was a very injury prone uh, as an athlete, uh, whether it be soft tissue, uh, just get kind of getting nicked up, never had anything super serious, but I had, uh, I, it, it was always a place for me to go and uh, truly be able to try and take care of my body and, and get to be the best athlete that I could possibly be. Cause I just wasn't one of those athletes that could just go out there and do everything. I truly had to train for work for it. And I think that's where, a lot of the uh, training came came into play. When you were at Houston, you guys went to the Peach Bowl, correct? Correct. What was the what was the whole experience of going to one of the the big bowls in college football like? I mean, it was awesome. That's that's uh, you know possibly once in a, a career type thing uh, to be part of a thirteen and one team conference championship. Uh, be able to uh, go to a New Year's Six Bowl that is that's one of the best if not the best bowl that there is it's a great experience and especially to go there and win uh playing florida state i mean obviously they got they got their uh the name they got the logo they got all that and for our guys to come in and be ready to play uh uh it, it was a huge experience for them and then obviously great to be able to come out with the w you've been on both sides of it now you've been in the the bowl system and in the fcs playoff system uh, yep. are they unique in their own way or is it still just football uh, I mean, they, they are unique in their own way. It's I, I like the fact that uh, in the playoff system, you can advance. Uh, whereas with bowl system, you just got, you know, you're, you're training for four weeks, uh, practicing for four weeks just for one game. Whereas a uh, playoff system, you might still be playing for four weeks, but you might get three to four games in during that time. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what we did in 2019. We, had, we played three games in the course of four weeks. 
And it was uh, uh, quite different because the guys were a lot more beat up by the time we got to that quarterfinals. Um, but it was, it, was, uh, it was a really cool experience to be able to go every single week, go across the country and be able to really show uh, our, the, the determination of our team and be able to uh, fight through some injuries. What was the toughest part of transitioning from being an assistant to running your own shop? I think one of the toughest aspects of uh, starting to run, be the director of the department is just having to be on at all times, you know, as an assistant, you're, you're, you're there. You can learn more. You can kind of actually read up a lot more and be able to truly see what you think is going to be best. But now it's, you got to be on for, for everything, whether it be uh, training guys, uh, staying on top of guys, uh, administration, nutrition, everything. But, you know, I, I, I truly wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for my staff. My, my staff is a huge help to be able to uh, allow me to be able to do things that I need to do. They, t- they help me a lot. They take care of a lot of different things behind the scenes that, uh, that truly they, need, they, they definitely need the uh, – uh, they have the dedication for, and, and they truly need the, uh, an applaud also. How do you kind of what, – what are you looking for when you're putting together a staff? Because it can't just all be – one of the same guy you kind of you have to blend some different personalities and some different specialties right yeah uh i mean i like to definitely have you know we got uh we got obviously strength guys you got sports report you got uh sports science guys you got speed guys nutrition guys i like to be able to kind of uh get guys that are good at every single different aspect of the uh, of a training uh program you know i mean you got you got sports science you got the uh sports psychology the nutrition uh, the, the speed mechanics, change of direction, the mobility, the recovery, all of those different aspects. If you got guys that are good at each one of those things, you can all collaborate together and come up with a really good program. When you're making a performance plan, what is a bigger hurdle? Is it being too broad or too narrow in your focus? Uh, I wouldn't say either. Uh, I would say the biggest aspect of it is just knowing where your team is at. Uh, in terms of training age, uh, time of the year, recovery, uh, there's always there's always uh, different times teams because you you might have in, in the winter one year this year it's obviously a little bit different than what it was uh, last year in the winter. All right, so I gotta I gotta change out how I kind of do stuff. And this team is different than 2019 team. Uh, I gotta work I gotta uh, work more strength in the off season on this team and that team. Uh, they were they were already strong coming in. So there, there's different aspects that you truly got to be able to kind of develop and look at. And then when you uh, see where they're at, then you can actually see like what you need to put down on a program. And then we all come together. Me and my staff come together. We we kind of uh, see where we're at. We come together. We write up everything up on the board uh, to see where, what everyone thinks we should be doing at, at, for that cycle. And then we uh, write up a three to five week cycle. And then that, that happens about every uh, obviously three weeks. Uh, that we're truly coming together and, and, and developing a program. What is the stereotype of speed coaching? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, I think, uh, I think a lot of people think that, uh, the, you know, fast feet don't eat uh, the uh, uh, ladder drills are the, the only thing that you could do, you know, mechanics don't matter. Uh, uh, putting force in the ground doesn't matter. All that stuff is, is some of the most important things that you could possibly do because uh, that's going to actually get you somewhere. If you're, if you're just going out there uh, running to run uh, and, and you think you're going to get better, you're going to stay the exact same, if not get worse because you're just uh, uh, 
you're just showing your body that you're going to be doing uh, bad mechanics over and over and over. So that we try and truly teach good mechanics, try and teach them to use edges of feet and put force in the ground. I think that's truly going to help uh, an athlete with the speed mechanics. In your line of work, how important is it to be unafraid to try new things, to try to be on the cutting edge? Because, you know, there's that, there's that saying that if you, you keep doing what you're doing, you get stagnant, you get stale, you get left behind. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, that's a great question. Cause I mean, uh, I don't ever want to do a cut and paste, uh, program. I'll never will. I know you always got to kind of, uh, change up with the team, you know, like coach Walden always says, you got to chase the lion. Don't, don't be afraid to try something new. I, right? you, you, you might be scared just because you've never done it, but you got to jump in that pit with that line. You got to truly, uh, be able to, uh, attack whatever, your 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 new system is and, and have faith in it have confidence in it because you had that you had that thought and and that thought means something so if if, if you got to be able to uh just have that thought and truly try it out it's it's probably going to be uh successful but you really got to actually jump into that fit and and uh get it done does does doing that kind of thing does does trying new things and trying different things does also keep the guys on their toes a little bit too introducing them to new things that they won't expect it does. Uh, I, I truly try. I mean, we, we, we go every four, three to five, like I said, every three to five week cycle, it, it kind of rotates. So, so they get good at the, that uh, movement or that uh, uh, exercise throughout that time. But it is good to be able to kind of get those guys a different stimulus at different times of the year. So that, that is aspect is a, a good aspect. Yes. Your group of coaches is a mix of pretty eclectic personalities. How do you keep them all in line? You know, uh, I let them, I let them do what they want to do in terms of, uh, in terms of training, kind of being who they are. I don't want to tell someone to not be who they are because that, that's, that's just not, uh, not how I was uh, grow up in this industry. I think you truly got to find your own coaching style and uh, I truly let them find their own coaching style. And that's, that's uh, uh, where, you know, I let them do their own training uh, with their own teams. I kind of put have some input in, within it, but uh, if if they're able to kind of figure out what they need to do and how they need to be, uh, not only on the on the floor but outside the floor in the office and everything, uh, I let them be their the be that 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 person so they can really grow to be a, a, a successful coach. You have one call to make at midnight to save your life, and you have to call a member of your staff, and they have to answer. Who gets the call? John Baker, uh, I, I would guarantee he would find any way to get there. Uh, he would uh, sprint as fast as he could. If he couldn't get in his car, he'd figure out a way to get there, and he would answer for sure. You, in your brief time here, you have gone, uh, you've served under three different and distinct head coaches. How has that opened your eyes to the industry and – managing people and all the while still managing your players as well and keeping them prepared for whatever the future holds when, as we've seen over the last few years, it can be very, very different. Yeah. I mean, you know what, it's actually been, uh, it's been pretty fun actually as bad as it sounds uh, to, you know, lose different coaches and all of that. It's been fun to be able to learn uh, the styles of three different coaches in two years, you know, most, most strength coaches who are just getting into it, they've only had one or more than likely only had one uh, coach that they have to kind of learn one system that they have to learn within a two year period. I've had to learn three. uh, And I think that's going to be really helpful for the rest of my career 
to be able to kind of navigate different coaches, different uh, support staff, different uh, uh, assistant coaches. And not only that, my, my, my network truly has grown and I've learned to be able to uh, uh, collaborate with different uh, coaches to get them to get their players to where they want to be. How has the role of the sport performance coach continued to change even since you started? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously now that I'm a director, that aspect has, has changed due to the fact that I just got to be ready for multiple different aspects. But it's changed in uh, terms of sports science that has gotten a lot bigger. But not only that, it's it's changed in terms of, you know, you there, there's more psych, sports psych that goes in, involved with it. You know, you got to truly get these kids to buy in uh, uh, more now than, than you had to uh, uh, 10, 11 years ago. Uh, the kids back then, they just, they were, they were ready to go at all times. So these kids, they, they need to kind of know the why. And uh, I'm fine with telling them the why. We just got to make sure that they're still getting that work uh, as much as possible without uh, trying to think too much into it or try to uh, go against the grain. But once we, once I've uh, started to kind of see how to get across to some of these kids, it's, it's truly taken off and hopefully we'll continue to uh, build a really good program here. This last year, as things have changed and you've gotten in and out of quarantine, how have you been able to keep these guys moving forward and keep them charging in the right direction when, you know, something could happen and boom, 20 guys are out for a week and a half? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's uh, the, the goal is still the exact same. The goal is still to win games. Uh, and that that is done with hard work. That's done with preparation. And you can't take your eye away from the goal just because uh, something happens, uh, you know, at, at next, next guy up mentality. Uh, you never know when you're going to be called to be a starter. Uh, so you can't take a day off, whether it be training, practice, uh, uh, sleeping, whatever it is, you got to make sure that you're dialed in at all times. And I, that's what I truly try and uh, teach these guys is just to be ready. Uh, I don't, I don't want them to take the foot off the gas uh, no matter what time of the year it is, whether they're in quarantine or whether they're actually here training. They got to be ready at all times because even when they're in quarantine, you take two weeks off, you come back and you expect to play. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen. So when you're in quarantine, I, t I tell them to continue to take care of their bodies, continue to work out, eat right. And I think that's that's going to be truly helpful uh, whenever they get back. But the, the biggest aspect of it is is to never take their uh, eye off the goal. And that goal is to win a lot of games. Coach Campbell, what is your favorite word? I would say uh, right now, that's a good question. Sorry. Uh, I would say right now it's ownership. Uh, I would say ownership of, of each person. You know, um, I think each person has to have ownership in themselves, ownership in their unit, ownership in their department. Uh, and I think if everyone has true ownership in what they do, I think you can have a, a successful uh, department and team. Uh, but that ownership aspect, in my opinion, is very big. What is your least favorite word? <laughs> uh, can't, I would say. Uh, I, I hear a lot of can't at times, guys complaining, saying they can't do it uh, when inevitably they actually can. Uh, you, you, you see a lot of athletes say they, they, can't, uh, they can't touch something. Or like they can't touch the uh, height of something until they actually train and, tr and actually try, but uh, or they make an excuse. Actually, you know what? Excuse is probably my my uh, uh, worst word because there's a lot of excuses of guys 
that they, they come out uh, saying that this is the reason why they can't do something uh, instead of actually just training and getting to it. Who or what inspires you? Uh, it might kind of sound cliche, but I, I kind of inspire myself. Uh, I try to be the uh, best person I could possibly be uh, at all times. I try and be uh, very healthy. Uh, I try and try to kind of find out as much um, about strength conditioning as possible. I, I, I just want to try and make myself the best version of me. Um, and as hopefully I've done sound condescending or, or like I'm an eye guy, cause that's not, not it at all. I just truly want to make myself better. And I think that's going to help every, everyone else be around me better. What's the last book you read for fun? Uh, Extreme Ownership. Uh, it's uh, by Jocko. By Jocko. That's uh, probably why my favorite word is uh, ownership. What is your worst habit? Uh, that's a good question. Sorry. Uh I would say actually, so I got a, uh, I like silk, like the feeling of silk. So I, uh, I'm always, uh, have silk between my fingers. Uh, like when I, when I sleep, uh, that's a, I guess that's a habit that, uh, but I don't like that. I have, I've had a, what, app, baby. what app on your phone gets the most use? Uh, right now my whoop app, uh, I have a whoop band that detects kind of my training, my sleeping and, uh, Everything that I do is, so I would say, my whoop or my message, uh, uh, text messages. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Uh, I would say actually going down. So when I got the job at Louisiana Lafayette, my boss called me. He offered me the job for an internship. Uh, and he didn't call me back after that. And I was on my way down to Louisiana. He still wouldn't call my, he wouldn't answer my phone. So I knew no one going down to Louisiana. And I think that that was uh, an extremely scary situation because he didn't answer my phone until I got there that day. What is your idea of happiness? Uh, health, I would say, you know, health and success. I think uh, I try and again, like I, I try to do everything that I can to be as healthy of a person as possible. I try to make everyone as healthy as possible. I think that's that's probably my happiness. What is your idea of misery? Losing. What makes you self-conscious? Uh, losing. Uh, not be, being in a spot. Uh, being in a spot that I. Uh, that I know I'm not going to not necessarily know I'm not going to be successful and know that, uh, we have, we weren't prepared. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Uh, I mean, I like Maroon 5. I like, uh, all pretty much all the Maroon 5 songs. How would you prefer to die? <sighs> that's a, that's a deep question. Uh, uh I have no idea. I, I'm sorry, were, I don't know. That's fine. That's that's also an acceptable <laughs> answer. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as, and why? Uh, uh, I would say probably a more successful person.
uh, someone that has that someone that's able to be able someone that is able to uh, teach uh, a large majority of people to be better and uh, to be healthier. What might prompt you to lie? If it's for the betterment, the true betterment of uh, myself, not just uh, lack of ownership. What makes you hopeful? The future. What is our purpose in life? To be the best that we can be. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you would ask the next guest? Uh, what are you doing to make yourself better today? What are you doing to make yourself better today? I uh, just got done working out. I'm doing this interview now, and I'm probably going to go and uh, read. Two weeks ago, Riley Plinch asked, what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, I would probably say I've had uh, goat liver and fat heart. I, I had an uh, entire goat uh, before in Mongolia. Like, wait, what? Like Mongolia? Like actually, in Mongolia. Yeah. My brother used to live there. Uh, we went and visited him when he was in the Peace Corps. So I went, we went to Mongolia for uh, a week and a half and uh, we had, we tried goat liver, fat, heart, uh, and then yeah, basically the entire goat. Is goat good? It wasn't that bad. It sounds worse than it actually is. (laughs) So what is next for you in your career? You know, you're not that far into this. What are your, your hopes and ambitions? You know, I think uh, just, be successful. Whether my, my goal is to truly be uh, a you know Division One Power Five or NFL uh, head strength conditioning coach or sports performance coach. Well, we're glad that you're getting your start here with us, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to talk to me, uh, Chris Campbell. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Chris Campbell for coming on and taking a few minutes out of what is an extremely busy time of year for him. I feel like the sport performance folks are always having a busy time of year, but this is that on, you know. I mean, he's usually responsible for, what, 100 football players? Yeah, well, this is this is that cranked to 11 right now. Football. Oh, boy, football. Home football for the first time since 2019. What was it, 464 days in between home games for the Governors? I've something in that ballpark. Uh, TSU coming to the fort at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Govs looking to avenge that 2019 loss that prevented them from running the league table. 
No tailgating, limited in stadium amenities compared to what you were used to, but it's Division One football in February if you care about college athletics, Austin P. football. If you want to watch D'Angelo Wilson get behind the secondary. It's, it's not that I'm telling you you have to be there, but I am going to be disappointed if you're not. Okay? Right, that's... That's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I can't. It's a long weekend for us going to Tech and JSG for basketball, and we're going to get back late Saturday night, but I'll late, be right there at the Fort Sunday. Late Saturday night, early Sunday, we will be here at the Fort to catch the Governors. As we end the Shooty Hoops regular season, we travel to Tennessee Tech and Jacksonville State to close it out. The scenarios. The women moved in the fifth place last night with Belmont beating Tennessee Tech. The Govs are a half game behind Jacksonville State with one more loss. They are a half game ahead of Tennessee Tech with one less loss. Guess who we play this weekend? Tennessee Tech and Jacksonville State. So, pretty simple for the Govs. Beat them both, you're going to be ahead of them. Because you got the tiebreaker for JSU. You beat them here at home a month ago. Uh, lost to Tennessee Tech. You don't want to be tied with them because you've lost because it'd be a split series if you beat them on Thursday. And that's basically what it boils down to with the men's basketball team as well is simply can't be tied with Murray State because as things stand right now, the governor's split with Eastern Kentucky and Murray State beat the Colonels in their one meeting. And so Murray has the tiebreaker on us there. Um, but we've, we've got some, we got some reasonings because we've, we did not, we, we let a 27-5 lead slip away against Tennessee Tech when they played up here don't think that's going to happen again and then we lost to Jacksonville State and I know that one did not sit well with the governors and so hopefully a very focused Austin P team is heading to Cookville and Jacksonville this weekend I mean for the women's team it's all you can ask for you got the two teams you're playing for the seating with uh, yeah I mean get you, up to get up the fourth place yeah you this is I mean it's it, this is a tournament. This is a tournament weekend for the women's yeah. team. It is essentially the seeding round of the tournament. Like the NBA bubble, they have those seeding games. This that's what this is. And the governors, I mean, some things have to happen, but there is potential to move into a tie with Jacksonville State if things break correctly for the men. Hmm. I mean, this hmm. things things got to break super correctly, but there is potential there. It could happen. Volleyball, I don't think we got to really talk about them very much over the last couple of weeks with the, the... I think we talked about the opening weekend the, against Tech. The quarantineage and the so forth and the whatnots. But uh, swept TSU again previous weekend, and then this weekend against just a freaking really good Moorhead team. Uh, came out on the wrong side both times. But uh, we'll talk about Brooke Moore and Chloe Stitt. Cause it's hard to stop them both. It's it's a real choose your own adventure, and right now they're both averaging about ten kills per match. Brooks probably averaging about ten digs too. Yeah, I mean this this is a these two have been around it. These two have been through it, and I think once I think that with only four teams making the tournament, having your two best hitters be veterans, it's going to help you. Yes, because. I think there are. Uh, I think that there's probably two or three, two or one or two teams at least that are pretty much like okay, you know they're going to make the tournament. Right. So the Govs are battling for that third and fourth spots in that thing. I mean, I feel like you put the Govs in that second spot right there behind Moorhead State right now. Right now, you do. I think so. But but also we're still way early in this season to, right. to really be making any sort of sweeping arguments one way or the next. But Brooke and Chloe, very impressed. Really looking forward to to seeing more of that. 
Also looking forward to seeing any of two more sports getting it going this weekend. Soccer and women's golf. Finally out of the shoot for the first time in a long time. Yeah, we're going to be out at Mobroso on, on Tuesday. Mobroso on Tuesday afternoon. I think it's going to be a... It's going to be a different look out there for that team. I was talking to Hayden Kaufman yesterday. Obviously, you're going to have Claire LaRose out there. She's going to be taking the shots, scoring the goals. You might see Gibson Roth playing a little more in a forward position this year. Ooh. Oh, yeah, oh that's right. That's the insider information you get on this podcast. Uh, I'd love to tell you who's going to play goalie for the Govs, but apparently they're both playing so well right now that you just you just might see a little bit of both of them. Too many good goalies is a good problem to have. Apparently, Peyton Powell and Chloe Dion are just cooking in net right now. And let me tell you, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'd rather have two good goalies than no good goalies. Right. No, it's it's. Uh, so, like I said, you got Claire, you got uh, you got Anna McPhee. She's an OVC All Newcomer last year. You move Gibson up. She's playing really well. It seems. You got Drawdy. So you've got Drawdy. You've got Drawdy and Whitaker. Boy, they're t- they're quick. Um, Carly Roberts played really good defense down the stretch late last year, kind of taking over for Renee Simon in that uh, defender role. I think. You got Rachel Bradbury. Rachel Bradbury came on hotter than anybody at the end of last season. She is such a big target. And she's sneaky, one of the fastest people on that team, I think. You know who I was going to make that point about was Whitaker. Ashley's quick. Ashley can run. Yes. Nobody gets to that corner faster than Ashley for a cross. And that's how she sets up Rachel and Claire on all those goals, I think. Yeah. I mean, she – I – I'm going to call it now. I think this is going to be a big breakout year for Rachel. I'm she she got hot at the end of last year. I'll give you a freshman to watch out for. Isabel Petrie. She's the all-time league scorer at Knox West High School. 89 goals in high school. Holy buckets. 89? I believe when 89 is the number. Third grade? Right. So, I don't know how that's going to translate, but I know that girl takes shots, and I know she's found the back of the net a lot, and you got to think that continues. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like being a, a good shooter in basketball, like – that yeah, translates. That's a, that's going to go to the next level, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> distance might change. The defense might get a little bit better. But if you can put the biscuit in the basket, then that's going to matter. That's my uh, that's my freshman breakout. So I'm looking forward to seeing that women's golf at the Kiowa Island Classic for the second spring in a row to open it up. Last year, actually did play. This is one of the few that we're talking about from 2020. Last year. Won the second flight a year ago, hoping to play their way into the top flight with a very veteran team this go-round. Here at home, we are hosting the cross-country championships on Monday. Hooray and hurrah. Hooray and hurrah. First time hosting since 2006. Uh, no fans. Um, we're going to do that running, though. Yeah, just we tell you where we're doing it at, but we don't want you to accidentally show up because we're not allowed to have fans. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. PAing for the no fans. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah, going to Sure. Why, Why not? not? Whatever. Um, last time, or since we last talked, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, was actually given all the money that's ever existed. <laughs> I, I would have given him more if he asked for it, too. I would have given him literally anything he wanted. Sure. Like, sure, you want... Four hundred fifty million, sure. Yeah, sure. we'll make it work. <laughs> Fourteen years, three hundred forty million dollars at the ripe old age of twenty-two. What would you have done with lifetime security and three hundred million dollars at that age? I, I Nothing good. I, I probably, Not one I, good I, thing. I don't know. I I don't even. I mean, listen. Yes, that is. He is the best shortstop in baseball, probably. Unless they move him to third, making the best third baseman in baseball. Well, they're not going to move him there because Manny's going to play third. Um, oh yeah, of course. 
Yeah, the other superstar. On yeah, that team. yeah. You know, you know that some of the Padres don't get any love with that just because they happen to be in the same division as the Dodgers. Well, and the the whole oh well, we're not a big market. We can't what San Diego's not a big market, and they're throwing money around. They're like just people. throwing cash. Yeah, yeah. AJ Preller walks out behind Petco or whatever they're calling it now, and just shakes the old money tree every so often, and yeah. out comes another superstar. Can San Diego pitch enough? That's the question. I think we've got to. I mean, you got. Oh, they just added Snell and Darvish. Yeah, I was about to say. Never mind, San Diego can pitch enough. Yeah. They don't know if Clevenger is going to be able to be back this year, so they just added the guy who won the AL Cy Young two years ago. They also have Denelson Lamette. Oh, Denelson Lamette's probably going to be their fifth starter. I I would love to have Denelson Lamette as my fifth starter. I think Denelson, by Jarmoff, Denelson Lamette is like a three. (laughs) Most teams. He might be a two on most teams. Earlier this week, men's golf. Long-time listeners of this podcast will know that the the leap that was promised into Swan Lake by head coach Robbie Wilson because the Govs won the, good Lord, was it the 2018, 2019? Was it the match play event? No, 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 no. It was a – this has been a minute now. It was the first tournament win down in Florida. I want to say it was in the spring of 18. could have been spring of 19. Either way, Robbie Wilson promised he was going to – Leap into Swan Lake. And yesterday. The he, day of reckoning came. The day of reckoning came. He uh, he said it stunk. Stunk to high heaven. Well, he's a good sport. He's a good sport about it. And you can check that out over on the Men's Golf Twitter page if you are so inclined. Also, at Austin P. M-G-O. And if you're so inclined, holler at Haley Meyer to find out of any and all community service opportunities here in the greater Clarksville area you know what else you can do to uh on the old twitter um uh you can send some fire dms you can you can also follow us at let's go p or on our official facebook account called austin p governors let's go p works on the instagram too the old instagram our friends eric and robin a lot of digital media content they're uh putting out on all of those platforms well excuse me our friend robin our colleague eric our acquaintance the guy that works down the hall our buddy pal let's go p.com for dates and news stories case cody bush myself doing things over there all day every day this day included hey you know what's gonna gonna happen on sunday uh, we already talked about it we're gonna play that football at fortera stadium we are gonna play that. what football. do you need to get into fortera stadium ticket how do you get a ticket you get in contact with our ticket guru johnny mitchell he's got all the information you can use to get in the game oh johnny Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, directly on the website, letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating reveal on the podcast, five stars, five stars. If you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Quiz me on the various plot points I learned about PJ Mass during quarantine. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Shout out J-Lo's dad. Shout out Steve Willard. Shout out Bud Jenkins. Shout out the number 14 at Arby's. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Told me there's a cure for all my ills Well, I walked on up to the counter And I told him what I had Now he said, you ain't got no money You can't afford to be feel so bad